Dear Lord, thank you for being able to make it here safe this morning, and please just be with me as I give this word and help your words, not mine, to come out. And bless the, everyone listening and help them to hear what you need them to hear, and just guide me as we go through the sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I guess it would have been a couple weeks ago, I, my plans changed a bit for where I was going to take this. And I've been busy. It's been crazy, and I've been feeling overwhelmed. And it's like kind of mentally putting together what I wanted to say, and things just get out of hand a little bit. So, I thought, what's my problem? Where should I... What's the, where's the actual issue lie? So, I'm going to read you a letter that I wrote, kind of just explaining what's going on. Dear God, I know we don't talk as much as we used to, but life's been busy lately. I've been trying to motivate and educate my students, which is, at this time of year, is a bit, bit of a challenge. Beyond that, our robotics team has been eating up a lot of my time with teaching, prepping, Researching, ordering, organizing, setting up hotel rooms, working around other school functions, competing and chaperoning. It has me exhausted. With all this, I'm trying to, to still train my boys and spend time with them in the mornings, nights, and weekends. Trying to get them to be responsible, to be kind, to love each other, to read, to clean up after themselves, and to love you, among other things, has kept a lot of my mind lately. Once they're in bed, I try to show my wife that I love her, and to spend time showing her that I care, even when life is chaotic. This, of course, is when mounds of homework or of schoolwork that need to be graded and notes that need typed can be ignored. I'm becoming a bit concerned by the sounds that our vehicles are making and the weird shaking that happens sometimes. I just hope the radio doesn't go out so I can't drown out the sound. <laughs> the scariest part of the vehicles is putting gas in them. I'm pretty sure we aren't out of money yet, but I haven't had much time to talk to Melissa to know for sure. I've spent a bit of time firefighting, both literally and figuratively, and it hasn't been too much of a problem. I wasn't planning on sleeping much anyway, with our kids repeatedly sick and up in the middle of the night. I know that before too long, life is going to begin to get busy as we jump into the end of the school year, but eventually, it'll be summer. As you can see, it's not that you aren't great, it's just that I'm too busy to commit more time to a relationship right now. We can still visit for an hour and a half most Sunday mornings and for a minute before some meals. I'll check in again in June and see if we can spare more time then. <laughs> Sincerely, Aaron. And this has just kind of hit me hard because life has been busy, life is chaotic, and I'm doing a lot of things, and I don't think the things I'm doing are bad. I feel like, for the most part, I'm serving other people, but there's just not time for God. Okay, when you lay down and you pull up the Bible app on your phone, lay down at night and the phone drops on your face a few times, <laughs> you realize you're just exhausted. But I'm a teacher, so there's always summer, right? So if I can just ignore God for right now, in summer we'll reconnect and everything will be better. Makes sense, right? So I'm going to talk about different people choosing their, their priorities, their things, what Jesus asks of them, and just kind of how different people respond and how Jesus responds to them. So I'm going to be jumping through quite a few scriptures. I'm not trying to take things out of context. 
there is greater context to everything that I'm saying here. And I highly recommend you go back, spend a little bit of time with the Lord, and read what he says as a whole. So starting off in Luke. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake, Gennesaret. The people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. He saw the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, and asked them to be put a little, way, little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out in deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. So take a quick pause here. So we've talked about this, and I've personally talked about this a few times, and there's something about obedience here, right? It's that immediate, hey, we tried this and it failed, but master, whatever you say. But it doesn't end there. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners and the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished by the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. And they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. You're going to get sick of hearing me read because I'm not reading exceptionally well today. So... So God gave them something, right? Boats full of fish. If you're a fisherman, how much better does it get than that? Like, I'm worried that not just one boat, but two boats are sinking because they're so full of fish. God gave that to them, right? So if God gave you this gift, he can't be asking you to just leave it, right? God, I'll be there in a minute. I've got to play some fish. Okay, you gave me this. I've got to take care of it. But no, they dropped everything. When Jesus said, follow me, they followed so they were fishermen, not doing exceptionally well, at least that night. God blessed them, and then they followed him, dropping everything without hesitation. But let's be honest, they were the disciples, and they kind of had, like, something special about them, right? God couldn't expect that from me. I'm not a disciple. I mean, it was like actually Jesus there with them. God would be a lot easier for them than it is for me. A little bit later on in Luke 5. <clears throat> After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Well, a tax collector can do it. Just direct obedience. Immediately follow Jesus as soon as Jesus asks. Drop everything. Drop things that aren't important. He's sitting there in his tax booth. He's working, right? This isn't like, uh, we'll sit down and have dinner and I'm not doing anything anyways. I've got so much downtime, I can just afford to spend time with Jesus. When Jesus confronted a sinner, talked to the sinner and said, follow me, he immediately dropped everything and did. Do I do that? Well, we'll check in in June and see. <laughs> 
Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to the, his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus calls people. Jesus calls all people. Not just when they've got time, not just when it's convenient, not just when I'll get to it later, but Jesus calls all people, including sinners, to immediate action. Now this is a bit of a sad story to me. A lot of things going on in Matthew 19. So, just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? This guy's missing something, right? He's, he feels that there's something missing. Otherwise, why would he be there? Like, he knows that there's something he needs. Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbors yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? I'm a good person. I like to think I'm a good person, at least. Some people might argue that, you know, maybe I'm a little bit full of myself, but I like to think I'm a good person. I think that this was a good person, right? He kept the commandments. He did a good job. But what am I missing? I can feel something inside that's missing. Okay, I followed the commandments, and I can still tell there's something wrong, something lacking. Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So he could tell that he was hurting. He could tell that he needed something. And what he valued more than that thing that was missing was his money. Is money evil? No. Loving money more than God? That's a problem. Okay, he knew that there was an emptiness. He was wealthy. He was rich. He followed the, followed the commandments. And he could still tell there was something empty, something missing. And he wasn't willing to give up his wealth for it. <clears throat> this will build to a point eventually. Okay, this one's going to be a little bit longer, just to give a little bit more context. A lot of the ones I've, uh, passages I've talked about are, we're very familiar with them. This one I wanted a little bit more background knowledge, and there's a lot wrapped up in this in Second Kings. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of the master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. And he was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Kind of a minor inconvenience, right? Now, the bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria. 
he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Now, take a pause here for a second, because I don't know how big a shekel of gold is. But if it's little, that's still a lot of gold. Okay, this is a letter from the king to a king. This guy's got a reputation, right? You've got to be setting up pretty good if the king himself is writing a letter to another nation's king saying, I'm going to send this guy, send him with massive amounts of wealth, fix him. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? What does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. I've been having that problem lately too. So I'm busy, I'm stressed, and anytime that somebody does something, it's like, was that a personal attack on me? Now, what opportunity was missed here? The king of Israel immediately got offended, but did he reach out to God himself? No, he immediately says, hey, I can't do this. I'm not God. Is there a relationship with God here to where that's your immediate like, God, I'm leading this country, and I need your help leading this country. Okay, we're going to have this major issue with this other king who's been very successful. And can you help me fix it? It's not really his response, right? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have a man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman was, went away angry and said, I thought that he would have surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hands over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are you not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? He turned and went off in a rage. Now, that's the end of the story, but I want to take a second and think about this. How often do I feel that way? How often is that my response? It said the Lord had given him victories. Now, I don't know that that is necessarily implying that he had a close relationship with the Lord, but that he did have victories. Now, you feel a little bit hurt, a little bit stunned that not only did the king not do anything for me, he sent me this guy, and this guy wouldn't even come out of his house. He sent a servant out to me. Shouldn't he have, like, man of God stand up and lightning and thunder and calling on the Lord and all of a sudden I'm healed? Aren't I special enough for that? I mean, the king himself sent a letter to this other king for me. I think I'm special enough I should at least be able to talk to him, right? 
So, we talked about disciples giving up their immediate wealth, their fish. We talked about a tax collector just stepping out of his position and immediately following Jesus. We talked about a rich man who wasn't willing to pass up his wealth. This case, I think it's pride. I personally have issues with pride. That's one of my things. I like to feel like I'm the best at everything. And turns out that other people disagree with me on that point. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine why. They apparently don't know as much as I do. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> but this is a powerful guy. This is a powerful position. And his immediate response is anger and hurt pride. Now, beyond all of that, we've got better rivers than you do. Let's be honest, the king of Israel is afraid of them, right? So if they wanted the Jordan River, do you think they could have taken it? Maybe? I don't know. So we've got better rivers. If I was supposed to wash in a river, why did it come all this way? I'm too important for this. <clears throat> but it's not done. So Naaman's servant went to him and said, My father, if the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God told him. And the flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. So Naaman at least got the point eventually, right? How often do we feel this way? It's like, God, if you're really talking to me, then have me do something. Like, do something. Am I really serving God? Am I really doing something to, like... For God, if he, like, sit down and talk with that person. You know, God, I've been fighting fires for, like, 13 years, 14 years. You could, like, have me go into a burning fire and drag them out and save them, and that'd be a great opportunity for me to, like, share you with them, right? But how often is that not what God asks? Okay, is that for my glory or is that for God's glory? This big dramatic moment of, I'm going to win this battle for you, God, and then I'll be cleansed of my leprosy? No. God wants us to listen. Okay, God can win battles by himself. He did repeatedly. God can save people. God needs our obedience, and he needs us to do what he tells us to when he tells us to do it. Amen. We need that relationship. We don't need that, like, big glorious moment. We need to do what God says. And how do we know what God says? Well, we'll check in in June and I'll see. <laughs> like, that's... Okay, back to Luke. <clears throat> As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another, another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This has always been a hard passage for me. Aren't we supposed to honor our parents? Aren't we supposed to take care of our families? The Bible's full of examples of that. So why is Jesus saying this here? 
why is this an issue? Is this really what God wants? Well, he said it, so there's got to be something here, right? What did he do in other spots? So in Acts, the jailer called for lights. So this is Paul and Silas. The shackles fall free, and they're free to go, right? But they choose to stay. Jailer rushes in. Fell and trembled before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So just talk a little, little bit about this. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Think about the difference in attitude between this and the jailer. The jailer is thrilled, like, come share this with my family. Okay, the whole family was baptized. The whole family found Jesus then. Is that what this guy's saying? Let me leave you and go say goodbye to them so I can follow you. Now, I'm so excited. Let me share them. Let me bring them with me. Let, let them be part of this. Okay, how can I honor you, Lord, with this? Let me say goodbye and then I'll be there when I get there. Okay, let me, let me just coach robotics, God. Once I'm done with robotics, then I'll have time for you. Okay, I, it's, it's important. I'm working with kids. I'm doing a good thing, right? You said take care of my family or you said, you know, to help work with kids. I'm doing what you want. Does it matter if I'm doing a good thing working with kids if Christ isn't in it? Is this an opportunity for me to show God's love to others by working with kids, being patient, showing the fruits of the Spirit, working to show God's love? Should I say, I'll get back to you, God, once I'm done with that? No, how about you come and help me through this? Strengthen me through this. I, I need you to meet my family. The jailer was so excited, like, immediately, let's take you out of here, let's have you come and tell my family about this. A little bit different attitude going into this, right? A different... So, how about, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. That seems like a reasonable request, right? Where's this man's heart at right now? If his father just died, let me be away from you while I go deal with my father's death. Isn't that the time when you need the Lord? Let me be apart from you for a minute while I go and deal with my own problems. Is that the right response? So we'll talk about another death. So this is talking about Lazarus, and this is a piece from the middle. And I think that context is going to be very important here. So I'm going to again, strongly suggest you go back and catch the whole, the whole picture. But this piece of it... <clears throat> On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already gone to the tomb for four days, had been in the tomb for four days. 
Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary still stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. So, Lazarus is dead. People are here. They're mourning with her. And what's the response? Well, Jesus is coming here anyways. Wouldn't it be best for me to just wait for Jesus to get to me and then we can all mourn together? I mean, would you want to leave a crowd? If there's a crowd at your house for a funeral, I'm going to leave them because I know I need to be with Jesus. Jesus is my answer. We go from, let me go bury my father and I'll be back to you, to I'm going to rush and leave this crowd to go and meet Jesus because I know Jesus has the answer. Different mindset, right? So, is the problem the action or the heart? So, the things I'm doing, all those things I listed, all the things that have got me so overwhelmed, so stressed out, so to the point that I just, I'm exhausted. Are they wrong? Are they bad things? Okay, the fact that I'm trying to do them without God, push off God until I'm done with my things, I think that that's my problem. Okay, do I ask God for time or help? God, give me time. Give me a minute to mourn my father. God, give me a minute to go say goodbye to my family. God, give me a minute to, how about, God, will you please be with me? Amen. I can't do this without you. Okay, I don't have the strength. I don't have the patience. I don't have the love to give to all these people because I'm stressed out. That love has got to come from you, Lord. Are the things that I'm doing bad? Well, if I'm doing them by myself and I'm doing them for my own glory, there's a problem. Now, how can I serve God if I'm struggling and my heart is hurting? This is a big issue that goes along with this. So as I'm stressed out, I'm angry, I'm overworked, I'm overwhelmed, that's not the time when I like, man, I feel loved by you, God. You know, that's, when things are bad, is a really hard time to build a relationship. Okay, it's, but how do you do that? How do you cross over? How do you even think about God? If you don't have a relationship with God, where does this peace come from? Where does the ability to fall on him in this time of pain come from? <clears throat> So, I've got a few more verses. This first one, I think we've all heard before, but 
like I said, I've been in a point where I just feel like I don't have time for God, where I'm too stressed to think about God. I've got too much pressure to think about what my relationship with Jesus is like. So this is Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. How many people feel like they could use their soul restored? Doesn't that sound really nice? Especially like today, like green pastures. Lay down green pastures and still waters. Okay. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I think I could use a little more righteousness. Yea, that I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. So how do you, how do you go to Jesus when, okay, my father died, I need to bury him, and then I'll be back to you, Jesus? Well, if you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because God is with you, doesn't that seem like the, the heart, the position that we need to be in as we're going through all these struggles, as we're going through all these problems, as we're going through just the chaos of life? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. At this point, anytime that somebody cooks other than me, I'll take it. <laughs> I don't care if it's in the presence of my enemies. I'm not picking on my wife. That was not in, intended as a dick. <laughs> you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So there's a reason why we've heard this before, right? This is just a great place to bounce back, to reflect, to settle in when, like, life is chaotic, life is crazy, be able to take a step back and just read a psalm, read a, a praise to the Lord. Now, David's life was never chaotic. He always had lots of downtime, just sitting there playing a harp, right? I mean, he was bored most of the time. He, I mean, can being a king really be that much more chaotic than teaching junior high? I think I got a fighting argument there, or a good argument there. This is one that Pastor Norm has used a couple times in the last few weeks, and it's just really hit home every time that I've heard him read it. Just, again, with the point in my life, just the, the chaos, the stuff that go, goes on, this is just another verse that hearing him read it just really hit home. So come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The point when you're in the middle of a robotics competition, the robot's breaking down and people are smashing into you, and these kids aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, and do we have that spare part? And, oh yeah, did I send that email last week I was supposed to send? And life is just chaos. Okay, I feel overwhelmed. I feel overworked. And then find out that, well, this kid got in trouble and why did they puke on my bed again? 
Okay, it was only once in the last couple of weeks that I've had puke on my bed. But sometimes it just feels like it's too much. Like there's just, I just need a break. I need a time. I need, a, I need something. I just, there's, just, there's not any more to give. Well, Jesus will take care of that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I do this stuff without Christ? No. <clears throat> so how am I supposed to work? How am I supposed to prioritize? How am I supposed to, like, is this stuff taken away from God? Is this my idol over God? Is this my, how am I supposed to do this? So this is a verse that we use all the time. We, when our boys do mouthwash at night, we say memory verses to them. And when we're done with them, it's, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth spit. That's how Ryan knows it, because he spits out his mouthwash at the end. <laughs> Whatever you do, work it out with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And the way we've always kind of sold this is, if you're going to do something, do a good job with it, Right? Take a different mindset, a different thought on the same, the same verse. So if I'm going to do it for the Lord, shouldn't he be involved with this? If I'm going to do a good job, I'm going to work like it's for the Lord, shouldn't the Lord be part of it? Can I serve the Lord through my teaching or through my parenting or through being a husband or being a, a coach, being a firefighter, being a whatever I'm doing? Can I say that I'm serving you, Lord, but you're not really part of it? but I cast out demons in your name. But I didn't actually know you. Okay, if I'm working at it for the Lord, then the Lord really needs to be part of it. It has to be part of this relationship. Part of this, anything I'm doing, if I'm going to say, okay, I'm doing it for the Lord, Jesus, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to handle this? How often do we do that? Jesus, my truck is making an awful funny sound right now. We automatically like, hey, I should call the mechanic. Not, hey, let me talk to my Lord. So let's revamp this letter a little bit. This is where I'm trying to get my heart to be. Am I there? No. Am I moving this direction? I really hope so. Dear Lord, as life becomes busy and overwhelming, give me the wisdom to make my tasks a service for you, not idols to place over you. Give me the wisdom to set aside tasks that don't add to your kingdom and the strength to complete those that do. I don't need less of you, so there's more time for my things. I need you to be in the center of everything I do. Fill me so full, everything that I do is a display of your love. Everything that I do without you is hollow and unfulfilling. I can only do this with your love and strength. I need you, Lord. Love, Aaron. So, I guess the challenge. I don't know how many people are feeling what I've been feeling. I know a lot of times that it feels like it's just too much for me. And I'm sure that there are more people that are in that same situation. 
you want to be helpful, you want to do things, you want to love God, you want to show God's love by picking up these extra tasks and doing this extra stuff. But if this is our letter to God, can we go with this mindset to just make sure that we're glorifying him through our actions, glorifying him through our decisions? Okay. On this note, I'm going to pray before we are good to go. Dear Lord, please touch our hearts. Please help us to reflect and just to know if we are glorifying you, if our actions are glorifying you, if our hearts are glorifying you. Help us to reach out to you and have you be part of everything that we do. Help us to include you and have you bring us peace in all of our choices and all of our struggles and all of our chaos. Be with us as we go forward this week and help us to just reflect and give us the strength and wisdom to glorify you with what we do. In Jesus' name, amen.